Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. When to start training for fall marathons and fall races. Spring is officially here and we are approaching the summer months and runners are getting very excited for their fall races. Actually, we are going to have a ton more fall marathons and races this year because so many races are being postponed due to the coronavirus. Did you know that right now we're less than six months away from the Chicago Marathon? Six months may seem like a very long time, but it's going to be here before you know it. And it's really important to start training and building your base now so that you can spend the bulk of your marathon training crushing your training cycle and crushing your workouts, getting those long runs in and getting in the best shape possible for race day. Too often we find that athletes wait till the last minute to really build that foundation. They think they don't have to do that much. And then boom, it's June. They only got three or four months before their race. And we have to start with really basic building blocks. So what we would really like you to do is come into your marathon training cycle with a very strong foundation that's being set right now. That way we can dive right into increasing other stress variables like your workouts and your long runs. Um, <clears throat> so the, I am here with Jason Phillippe, who is the head cross country and distance track coach at the University of Wisconsin River Falls. He is also a coach here at Run for PRs, and he helps train marathoners, half marathoners, um, all the way to down to the one mile race, obviously. Um, so he has a lot of experience. He's also done several marathons himself, including the Boston Marathon twice. Um, and so really just an expert on when to start marathon training. And, you know, we don't want people to overtrain. You never want someone to start too early. But we also don't want people undertrained um, starting too late. We'd rather have you, you know, undertrained than overtrained and injured. But we would rather have you find that that key balance right there in between both. Um, and we know that Jason has experience helping athletes who've rebound from both types of training cycles and how to really perfect your marathon training cycle to make sure you're in the best shape possible on race day. So Jason, what are some of the downfalls that you see when an athlete waits until like May or June to start training for their marathon? Yeah. So a couple things come to mind here, you know, when athletes, um, basically just tell us they want to run a marathon and they have like four months. So we, we look at kind of what they've been doing and sometimes we see inconsistencies. And so if that describes you or someone, you know, what happens is when we start putting them on a plan, you know, we can only build them up so quick and we use a progressive overload approach, but it really depends on like where you, what you were doing leading up to that. Because if we have to start you, like you said earlier, kind of back at square one, square one, where we don't even have a good base established yet, you're much more likely to um, get injured and feel kind of burnt out after a couple of weeks. Um, I've seen it where people, they feel really good for about a month because we do start to increase. And then all of a sudden something flares up where they lose motivation because, oh, they've just like turned it up too quickly. And so those are kind of some of the downfalls when athletes wait um, to really get started. 
until May or June um, for their fall marathon. And right now, I think looking ahead to this fall, you know, for everyone who was training for a marathon for this spring and now just got pushed to the fall, you should already be in a pretty good, pretty good shape or have developed pretty strong base. And so for you all, I think that this is actually going to be, you know, obviously it's, it's a tough time, but it could, it could help you in, in that now if we shift gears for a couple weeks, just try to focus on maybe something different, maybe shortening your long runs, focusing on some more higher intense workouts. Then when we transition back to the actual marathon build, which is traditionally about 16 weeks, sometimes a little shorter depending on, um, or longer depending on your experience and your history. But I think that this can really set you guys up for a successful fall marathon. And we know that there's going to be a ton of fall races to choose from now with all the rescheduled races. Right. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one that comes to mind is the Boston Marathon getting rescheduled, which is crazy. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, fall marathon majors with London, Boston, uh, Berlin, Chicago. There's just going to be New York. Um, There's a lot of excitement that's going to happen in the fall. And I think it was good to address, you know, some of the people who've already been gearing up because they thought they were going to have a marathon within the next month or two here. They have a great foundation under them. And I like how you said, you know, taking it down a notch for the next couple of weeks. Um, I recommended doing like a little week or 10 day taper and then participating in a virtual race, um, doing something between the 5k and the 10 mile distance, um, maybe a half marathon if you're feeling ambitious. And then after that, you know, giving yourself some recovery rest time off season. So you're going to reduce your mileage by about uh, 25 to 50% reduction of your peak mileage. So let's say you were doing, you know, 50 miles a week, we might drop you down to 35 to 40 for a couple of weeks. Um, if you're feeling extra burnt out, then let's, you know, drop it down to more like 30. We would rather have you be consistent. Um, we don't want you to drudge through training for, you know, another two months at a high mileage and then just totally get burned out come June. So it's, it's really finding that fine balance. And I think it's very important if you have been training for the last four months, because you thought there was a marathon that was going to be now to take that off season now, because you're not going to make it, um, with that sort of continued, you're not going to be able to maintain that mileage. Um, maybe you might, but it, it's probably not in your best interest. Um, it's really important to have off seasons, because a lot of you started your build in December and it would be really a stretch to say I can, you know, continue training from December to October without much of an off season. You're really going to want to take it now. Um, take some time now. That does not mean completely stop running. That doesn't mean you have to take two weeks completely off. What it means is just cut down to more like a 30, you know, 30 miles per week if you were doing 50 um, and giving yourself that time now. That way we're feeling really good to build back up starting in May um, into the, you know, more of like that peak mileage. So we're still running and still focusing on consistency, all those things. Um, in terms of mileage, a lot of people like to know like what sort of weekly mileage or monthly mileage should you be you know, five, six months out from your goal race. So let's say people, you know, are running Chicago, they're about six months out. What should their mileage be at? I know it's kind of a loaded question, but what would you like to see um, someone coming to you with, you know, with six months to go? Yeah, um, I I like how you said, if you're that far out, you should be 20 to 50% lower than your peak mileage. But um you know, this is really going to depend on the athlete, what the goal is at the, at the race, how many marathons they've done, all of that. But I think if you come in with like 20 to 30 miles a week, uh, that's probably a decent enough foundation, um, especially unless you're expecting to double that during your training, then no, that's not going to be enough for you. So, cause that's, that's not quite <laughs> what we need, but I think 
for most people, like for myself, if I was going to be doing a marathon this fall, I'd want to start the training cycle in June. So I'd probably want to be in the 40s to 50s at least. So I'd um, right now during this time, I want to make sure I'm in the mid 30s, mid upper 30s every week consistently. Um, the long run is really where, you know, when a lot of my athletes are like, okay, my race got postponed. You know, the first thing I think of is, okay, I'm going to go in, let's change the long run schedule. You don't need to be doing anything over probably 12 to 13 miles. You're not even going to do a half in the next two months. So um, we'll cap most people's long runs at about 10 miles. You can run an hour, 80 minutes max, but there's no need to run longer than that for long runs um, without a marathon in the, you know, in the near future. Yeah, I think that's really good advice, especially with that long run. Because I know weekly mileage can vary so much from athlete to athletes. You know, we have some athletes who are, you know, 320 marathoners and they're only running three days a week. So it's hard to just, like, throw out mileage numbers and be like, yeah, like, you have to be running X miles. I think the biggest thing is the consistency of, you know, your training. If you're very new to the sport, we want to see you very consistent. Um, if you If you're more of a master's runner with a ton of you know, background in the sport and you're someone who's thriving off of lower mileage now because you have such a strong background, you're doing more cross training. That's great too. So we're not going to like say you have to run at least, you know, 30 miles a week. It just varies. Um, but the biggest thing, like you said, was that long run. So I think, you know, making sure that athletes are having a long run at a minimum between 60 to 75 minutes, um, being six months out, I think that's, that's like a staple. Um, if you're not quite there yet, maybe start building towards that. I know some people are training, you know, maybe for their first marathon and they don't really know where their long run should be at. And I would say, you know, you want to get to a point where you're six months out where you can do a 90 minute long run and not kill you, right? Like, cause we're going to be doing a lot of 90 minute long runs. So you want to be at a place where if you did go out on a 90 minute run, it wouldn't really have major impacts, um, in the days after, like you might be sore for a day or two, but it's something that seems you know comfortable for you and that's kind of where you want to be at I think um six five to six months out because that's that's something you're going to be building on and so you want to really look at the biggest building point of a marathon training plan of course is mileage and background but really it's that long run and so having that established and being able to run for 90 minutes um at a time and feeling okay about that is a good place to be um and I know a lot of people they talk about um, how long should a marathon training cycle be? I get asked this question all the time. Like people think there's some sort of a magic formula. Should it be six months? Should it be three months? Well, I've also heard, oh, I one time trained for a marathon and I had an 18 week plan, but I peaked too soon. And I found, I find this phrase, I used to not understand what it meant. Um, when I was an athlete, I used to hear it all the time. I'd be very worried because it seemed like this weird like magical thing like oh no like I hit this mark and I wasn't trying to it almost seemed like you're playing a game of blackjack and you're just totally guessing and then boom like you go over everything's ruined um so it just seemed very concerning to me as an athlete but now as as a coach um the term peak too soon you know in quotations I'm doing it's it's just it's a silly term Mm -hmm. and I think it's just a way of saying you overtrained. Um, you did. You did something wrong. There's no way that you peak too soon unless you're doing something wrong in your training. And so when I hear people say, "Oh, I peak too soon," so now I can only do like eight week training cycles, I just am like, "Whoa!" If that's really what you got out of that, that's a problem, and we need to educate on kind of what happened and why. It is beneficial to still train for your next marathons for five to six months. It doesn't mean just because you one time burnt out because you had a faulty plan, that does not mean 
that it gives you a free pass to only train for a marathon for like three months. So Jason, what do you have to say about that whole peaking too soon? Have you heard people say it? And what is your biggest advice to people who are like afraid of peaking too soon? Yeah, I mean, I'd be really interested to see what they did leading up to the training cycle because a lot of times if you feel that way, it's because you you added too much too quickly and your base wasn't strong enough. So, um, you know, a marathon buildup should be so small and gradual that, you know, week four versus week 12, you, I mean, you should be able to uh, go out there and, and feel pretty similar on your runs. And then once you get into the peak week, that's really when your legs start to feel kind of, kind of heavy because you're you're at your highest volume but i i really think that for for people that think that it's probably that their training is inconsistent year-round and so um they maybe got like really into it and they could only hold it for a few weeks because then they started to get run down so really curious to see um you know if you're someone who who thinks that what was your training leading into the marathon training cycle how much did you increase it by from you know before that and during your base phase versus when you started the training yeah, that's really good wisdom that you're sharing. It's always, you know, looking back, figuring out how can we, you know, connect those dots. Because most of the time when someone says, you know, I peaked too soon, that's just a result of having a training plan that wasn't, that necessarily wasn't right for you. Um, there's no reason that an athlete should get to the end of, you know, 20 weeks of training and say, oh, I'm someone who falls in the category of peaking too soon. It, there's not some like, weird thing that happens if you train for 20 weeks. What happens is people can overtrain and how that happens, you know, we've done a podcast before, if you go back called the stress variables, we talked about mileage, workouts, and long runs. And what happens is, you know, you can only increase all three of those so much before you reach a tipping point or a point of, you know, no return. So what we see happens a lot of the time when athletes come to us and they've had bad experiences in the past, they've quote unquote peaked too soon as they would say, but we more like say they got burnt out. Um, we look back and there's always a trend. There's always a trend of too much too soon. And for some people they can't see it. They don't see what like we see. We don't, they don't see the patterns. And so a typical pattern would be, you know, you're only training 15 miles a week, maybe 20 some week. And then boom, all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm going to start this training plan that, that kicks me off with 30 miles a week. Cause I'm at 20. What's, what's 30. Right. And so you dive right in. Um, it feels easy, right? That's you can increase. It's amazing what your body is capable of doing, right? Like your body will handle what you make it do to a point. So week one, you're feeling fine. Week two, feeling fine. Week three, feeling okay, right? Like you're still feeling good and you can still see progress. It takes a very long time for your body to get to a point with training stress to be like, whoa, we're done and just shut it down. And so you really need to make sure that you're not doing too much too soon and that you're on the right type of plan. And if you're confused on if your plan is too much, what I would look at what you were doing the three months leading up to that plan and then look at the plan. And if the mileage workouts and the long runs are all higher, the plan's not going to work for you. Um, you got to be realistic. Everyone's body physiologically is very similar. And I think a lot of people get caught in the trap of thinking, oh, well, I'm someone who thrives off running faster on my easy days. Or, oh, I'm someone who thrives off of only eight-week or 10-week marathon training cycles because I peak too soon. And the bottom line is, 
physiologically, that's, that doesn't make sense. Everyone's body is built to adapt to stress over time. And so you really need to be asking yourself, am I actually following the rules here? And that's where you're going to usually find the issue is, you know, maybe you weren't going slow enough on your easy days. Maybe you were doing too many miles. Maybe you were doing the wrong type of workouts or the workouts too fast. So just trusting the process and finding a plan that's really specific to you is super important. So Jason, how does someone come up with a plan or find a plan that's specific to them to help them to not peak too soon? And how many months do you think someone should train for a marathon? Uh, well, the answer to that to that question is going to be dependent on your running experience and how many marathons you've done. So that could that could look different for everybody. But I would say it's nice to have kind of like you going back to that six month six months out, you should be able to run that far. I think that that's really important to be able to run 10, 12 miles for 90 minutes um, and not have that take, take a huge toll on you in terms of recovering from that. Um, but to avoid peaking too soon, I, I think it's really important to just, or to prevent overtraining, it's important that you start with where you're at um, instead of making that jump, like that comparison you said earlier, jumping from 20 to 30. So you start with where you're at because you can only increase one stress variable at a time. So if that's going to be mileage, let's say you were at 30 miles pretty consistently, um, you're, you might start at like 33, 34. That's only increasing mileage. But as long as your workouts aren't getting any harder um, or you're not really increasing your long runs yet, you're probably setting yourself up pretty good to slowly build. So I think that, that that's the most important thing is increasing one stress variable at a time to prevent the overtraining um, and just have it be a sudden gradual increase. So no need to jump up from, I don't know, 10 to 14 miles in your long run in one week either. So just kind of being smart about how that progression looks. And, you know, by following a plan or having a coach who knows, you know, that they're going to be able to kind of identify your past and keep you accountable. I think that that's kind of the key in making sure you prevent that. Yeah. I think working with a coach can be super beneficial because sometimes like we don't see things as they're unfolding in our own training. Cause we're, you know, caught up in the endorphins or we're caught up in feeling really good because when you start training and increasing a stress load, your body adapts to that by releasing certain hormones and um, it's really amazing what the human body is capable of doing and handling, but you want to make sure that you're able to sustain it for a long time. So stress plus rest equals growth. Um, what we don't want is to overwhelm the stress, not have enough rest, because then you won't be able to have that growth um, formula. You won't actually be growing. It'll kind of be staying where your fitness is at. And then eventually, um, if it, obviously, if you don't rest, just like if you don't sleep, you, you crash, right? So you want to make sure that you have the right balance there. And as a result, you know, sometimes I have some athletes who were, you know, month one, month two of marathon training, you know, it's June, July, and they're feeling bored. They're looking at their their friends train. They go, well, my friend just did their first 20 miler for Chicago, and it's June. Um, You know, you get get people who are like, this is boring. It's not challenging enough. Um, Have you ever had a marathon training cycle where you didn't really feel like, it was super challenging in the first couple of months and then you just totally crushed it on race day. Is that like a pretty common um, trend? And like what part, what part of the marathon training cycle should actually start to feel hard and like just like you're ready to almost be done with it? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I've really only had probably one or two good cycles personally where I've, I felt like I put in a good, good training and other times I just kind of, I came in kind of late, so I had an, I knew I had to start with where I was at, so I wasn't able to really progress that quickly, and so I just kind of came into the marathon, what I would call under train, maybe just like one long run over 18 miles, but um, 
you know, thinking back to when I ran pretty well at Boston one year, I probably had, um, I don't know, a fair amount of long runs that were over 16. And so that's where I would say I felt, I felt prepared and I felt like it was a good cycle. Um, but the, I think that for most people, they need to make sure that they come in with, um, you know, the expectation of not just focusing so much on, oh, this is my goal. So I got to make sure I'm training to, to reach this goal. No, it's like you need to train with where you're at because that doesn't always reflect the goal. And if you do that, that's a sign that or that could actually put you on the path to being overtrained or getting yourself injured. And we see that a lot too with athletes. They come to us and they're like, can I BQ in this short period of time? And it's like, well, the real question is, what have you done the last you know three months? Let's take a look at your training and then we can discuss how to slowly build you up and we can see if that puts you on the right path in order to achieve that goal. Yes, I think that was really good. Um, I feel like this podcast is going in so many different directions because it's such a broad topic of marathon training and we're just like talking about every scenario that we encounter. But I get that all the time too. Like people will email or they ask like, yeah, you know, I'm a 409 marathoner. Can I get down to 330 in one training cycle? And I'm like, you know, anything is possible, but here's the bottom line. You have to start with where you're at. You know, if you're a 409 marathoner, but you ran like a 22 minute 5k, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you got a lot of potential there. You're already pretty fast. I don't know what your training has looked like. I need to look, you know, like I got to take a peek, like let's pull back the curtain. Let's see what's going on here. Um, whereas if you're a 409 marathoner and you know, your, your 5k PR is like, what would it be? Maybe like 25, 26 minutes, probably right. Like it's, it's really hard to say. Cause if, if you can't necessarily run even marathon pace for, you know, two miles at a time right now. It's going to be a stretch to assume that, you know, in five months, you could do it for 26.2 miles. Can it be done? Yeah. Is it really probable, possible, like, for everyone? Nope. No, not at all. So it's just, it's tough because everyone has such different, like, backgrounds coming into running. And sometimes, like, I literally just posted about this guy I mean, we're recording this in advance, but we just posted about this guy who ran a 310 first marathon. And people are like, what, what, what? And I'm like, yeah, what? Like, <laughs> it's so crazy. This guy hadn't ran consistently for 15 years, but he was a CrossFit guy, right? So this guy is like a beast athlete mindset. Like, he's going to the gym all the time. He wasn't necessarily running. He was never running distance, but... He, he ran back when he was in high school. I mean, the guy's in his mid-30s, so he ran when he was like 15 years old, right? So that's like 15 years <laughs> removed. And then he just gets the bug. He's like, I want to train for this marathon. And he flat out put the goal out there. He goes, I'm going to run 312. And his coach was like, um, that's really aggressive. <laughs> like, you don't know what you're getting into. The guy would never done even a half marathon before. He was 12 weeks out from his race. And, uh, you know, we kind of looked at him. We're like, it's, it's not impossible. Like, we don't know, right? But, like, the likelihood that he... Because he did. He ended up running, you know, 310, which was even faster than what he wanted. But it's just, like, those people are so rare. And for every person like that, there's probably a 100 stories of people who emailed and were like, I want to run 312, and I've been running for five years, and my marathon PR is 3, you know, 30. Can I do it in one training cycle? And I'm like, uh then we do it and they don't, right? So it, it's hard when you see these athlete spotlights or you follow people on social media and you're like, oh, well, if they can do it, I can too. And it's like, 
Yes, you can, but the timeline just might be a little different. And so the biggest thing is starting training where you're at. The reason that guy was able to run like a 312 or 310 is because his coach or his, yeah, his coach, Megan, made him do a time trial to see like where he was at to start with. And then that's the paces they use. They didn't say, oh, you want to run 310? Okay, well, we're just going to assume you're in that shape right now. And there's, you can't train backwards like that. You have to train starting where you're at and stressing where you are right now. That way you can stress the right systems to get in better shape because over time that stress will stress your body to get into that next level. And then once you get to that next level, we up the paces and there's, it's just very like systematic and formulaic. Um, and some people, they want to like skip steps. And when you do that, um, I've definitely fallen victim to that many, many years ago as an athlete myself, I was like, well, I want to run, you know, a BQ time six, seven years ago before I coached or anything. And I was like, well, I should just really get used to running a lot of things at, you know, eight minute pace. Cause that was the BQ time or just under eight minute pace. And so that's what I did for a lot of workouts. And it's like, it wasn't, it just, it's so funny because like just small tweaks can make a huge difference. So like my approach was completely inaccurate. It's like, I need to train where I was at to stress the right systems. And what's actually really funny about that is, you know, I was so focused on getting used to that eight minute pace because I was like, I got to run 26.2 miles at that pace. I would try to do like long runs at, not all my long runs, but I would try to do some longer runs at that pace. I would always, I was obsessed with like that 750 pace. And come to find out, you know, you start training appropriately for where you're at, right? Like you're, you're keeping the easy days easy, hard days hard. What ended up happening was, you know, I did a time trial. I saw the type of shape I was in and I, I assessed my paces using that VDOT calculator, right? And I was like, I was in better shape than I was giving myself credit for. And because of that, I was actually holding myself back by doing the wrong types of workouts. So, you know, you plug in um, the calculator, what I could run for a 5K, and it's like, well, it's at my marathon pace should actually be 745 pace. And I should be doing a lot of my threshold workouts, you know, more at like a seven minute pace. And so when you're, when you're not training, um, using those scientific principles behind you, you're actually holding yourself back. And that could also be the reverse could also be true. You know, if I, if I woke up tomorrow and was like, you know what, I really run around a 240, So I'm just going to start training that way. Um, it would be very difficult. I wouldn't be able to hit paces. Uh, I would get frustrated, things like that. So you just really have to make sure that you're training at the right level and the right paces. Like you were saying that progressive overload principle, starting where you're at and building from there. Um, so I think that kind of got a little bit off tangent, but I think it's really important for people and a good reminder, um, to really focus on where you're at and building from there. Um, I know we talked about how the long run should look like, and maybe we should assess, you know, how athletes should come up with where their current paces are. So I talked about how when I made that shift, I went out and I did, you know, a 5k time trial race and I used that to plug into the VDOT calculator to see what my training paces should be. So with all these races kind of being canceled, what do you recommend people do to figure out where their current fitness is at? Is it okay just to guess? Um, Why is it not okay to guess? And I guess, what's the best way that you can assess your fitness? Yeah, so I think for now, um, we're, we're unable to go out and race. So doing a virtual time trial would be great for you just to see. And it could be really any distance between, you know, I would say at least two miles, but a 5k is perfect. Um, you know, if it's longer than that, you're not getting a good 
you know, indication of like, what is, what are you see your potential as far as like speed versus distance? So I think, I think two miles of 5k is kind of a prime distance for that time trial. Um, you know, it is nice when you do something longer, a little bit down the road. So you can just kind of compare like, Oh, what does my 10k say compared to my 5k? Um, and then you can start to see like, do I, am I a person that can hold my, you know, my threshold or do I need to focus more on, um, more speed to get my 5k faster. And so, um, in terms of like during your marathon build cycle to indicate like if it's time to adjust paces, sometimes if, if the athlete's not doing many races, um, we'll kind of look at some of their workouts and, and let's, let's kind of look at the patterns. Like, okay, if I've given like a marathon pace workout a few times in a row, I'll kind of compare the three to see like, um, how are they doing with maintaining the pace? Um, looking at the threshold workouts, looking at any speed workouts and kind of figuring, do I need to, um, adjust paces, or maybe I noticed that their easy run pace has gotten a little bit quicker lately. Um, that could be a sign too, that their fitness has increased and, you know, they're, they're keeping it as recovered as possible, but their pace is just a little bit faster than it was two or three months ago. So those are signs to kind of look forward to as a coach, but, um, there's always some unique ways that we can do as far as time trials to figure out if paces need to be adjusted to kind of gauge your, your current fitness. Cause we always want to train it. Like, where's your current fitness? Um, one thing I do for my athletes is I just plug those paces in every month in the training peaks so that, so that I'm reminded by it. So when I create their plan for the next month, I can see it. And if I need to adjust it, I will, I'll use that as kind of my baseline. Um, but then they can see it too. And so that it, it really sticks in their minds when they're, they're doing their workouts and they can kind of memorize their own paces for everything. Cause I think it's, it's good for them to create that autonomy with their running. Yeah, it's really good. And I think just coming from you hearing about how important the time trial is, is super important. And even as an athlete yourself, I know, you know, you've been running for a very long time, probably, you know, upwards of 20, 25 years now. Um, And I'm sure your fitness has fluctuated. It's not always like an upward trajectory, especially after you take some time off. So, you know, if someone's coming back from time off and they do their time trial, um, what do you have to say to someone that maybe like didn't run the time that they want for their time trial or, you know, like they've been in better shape before. Like I know sometimes I've done time trials and I'm like, well, okay, I ran that pace, but in a race before I've ran faster. So can't I just change my paces or do you think it's better that people just use the paces that they got for the time trial and just, you know, after a couple of weeks, you can retest and revisit that or what have, has that ever happened to you? How do you speak, you know, words of advice to anyone struggling with that mental aspect? Yeah, I think, um, we're going to use the paces that are most, most current or most relevant. So if they're not quite where you want, that's okay. Just train at those paces. And like you said, they, they might adjust quickly compared to a different year. And this kind of makes me think of, um, you know, when I run the same 5k every year, my times have fluctuated between probably, I don't know, 1550 to 1730. And that's quite a wide range, but it just really depends on what kind of shape I'm in leading up to that race in the spring. Um, also with the weather too, if it's hot and muggy versus rainy and cool, but, um, definitely I can kind of gauge going into the race, like about the time frame I'm going to be able to run just because I know, and I'm honest with myself, like, what does my training look like? What is it consisted of? Have I been consistent with mileage? Have I gotten solid workouts in that sort of thing? So I've, I'm at a place now where I can kind of tell and I won't get too upset um, if I'm in a down year where I'm running one of my slowest times. I, that doesn't really bother me. It's more about just focusing on, um, you know, what, what can I do to get better at that point? And then just um, 
being, you know, reflecting on what I've done to that point. And that's kind of the indication of why I am where I am. So you can only get better from that point. So I think it's just about being consistent and looking ahead. Yeah, I think it's good to hear that, you know, even coaches or even people have been work or training for a very long time go through seasons where, you know, their time trial maybe is slower than what they've done in the past. Um, I know I've been in situations like that before. Um, even, you know, nine months postpartum, I trained through most of my pregnancy. And, you know, after I got the clearance to run after Chase was born, it's like, even though I had been training, it, it, the fitness just didn't come back um, as quickly. And I think you know, going out and doing a time trial, it can be tough, like mentally when you're not in the shape you want to be, or you're not like the result just isn't the same as what it used to be. It just can be this reminder of like, oh, you're not as as in as good of shape. Um, But I think once you kind of go over that hurdle and realize like, you know, just because you're not in it right now, doesn't mean you can't get back into it. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of months, there I was, you know, breaking all my PRs, you know, half marathon, marathon. Um, so it's just, it's about being patient and trusting the process and trusting those paces. And I think the moment that I like melted into, okay, these are my new paces was really the time where I was like able to improve. And so, um, you know, when we're talking about these time trials and these races, sometimes it's just a matter of 30, 15, 20 seconds per mile. (laughs) And so if you really think about it in that, in that sense, it's like, that's not that much. And so just give yourself a little bit of like slack and say, you know, you're still in really good shape, right? Like most people wouldn't be able to go out and run as fast as you are running. Um, and just keeping everything in perspective. Cause sometimes I think runners can be just really hard on themselves. It's like, there's so many variables going into the fitness level that you're currently at when you start a marathon training cycle. And it's no indication of how it's going to end. Um, I've gone into marathon training cycles where I'm in the best shape of my life, um, running, you know, amazing PRs and everything. And then come on marathon race day and it just doesn't go as planned. Um, so don't take your starting fitness as an indicator of where it's going to end up. I've also had many athletes that come to me after extended time off and, you know, their, their fitness is not where they want it to be. And, you know, within six months there, they are, um, running faster than they ever had in their whole entire life. Um, but it was all because they just melted in the process and said, you know what, like, these are my new paces. I'm going to accept where I'm at. And that's going to allow me to become faster in the long run. So that's a really good topic about time trials and just figuring out where your current fitness is. But I guess another factor when it comes to these fall races, some people, it's like they haven't even signed up for any fall races at this point, um, or they're looking for other races to build on leading up to their goal, marathon or half in the fall, like a 5K or 10K or half marathon. Um, So what are some things to look for in terms of searching for races? How many weeks out from each race should you do another race? Um, Is there a such thing as doing too many races? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is such a thing as doing too many races. It's really going to depend on how what's the length of time we're talking about. But um, I, I generally think one to two races, one one race a month is fine. And then if you start adding more than that, it really depends on the distance. But when you think about like racing a half, for example, for me, it can take, you know, you want to taper the week going into the half and then the week coming out is almost a complete recovery where you do a couple runs. So your training is really going to be look a lot different for the for two weeks which is about half that month so if you're doing a half i think just doing one during a marathon training cycle is probably all you need um and you don't need to do a rate you don't need to race a half i i've had good marathons where i didn't race a half or you know i just had some decent quality long training runs so um but i think you can you can have a great marathon if you race a half during your cycle i would do it 
probably four to eight, four to seven weeks usually before the, the marathon date. Because um, a lot of times what's going to be your third week is third three weeks out from the marathon is your longest run. And so uh, for me, I wouldn't do a half four weeks before my marathon because it would take me so long to recover from the half. I would not be ready to run like a 20 mile long run three weeks out. But for me, I'd be looking more six to seven weeks before my race. But um, sprinkle in some 5Ks, 10Ks. I think those are good as you kind of lead into like your marathon training cycle or really early in the cycle just because it's good to change things up. Um, but keep in mind, if you're going to throw in a race like that, your week might look different as far as volume or other workouts. So, you, it, you know, it, there's a trade-off, but you have to kind of think about what what's going to be the benefit for you of racing. And if it's been a while to, since you've raced, I think it's a good idea because we do want to assess where your fitness is at and maybe you have maybe it's improved. I've had some athletes recently, we weren't quite sure where their fitness was at coming out of like the winter because they did like a fall half or something and they trained pretty well all winter and we didn't know where their fitness was at and they just did a 5K or 10K this, this spring here before all the races stopped. And uh, we were pleasantly surprised, a few of them. They had really good races and we didn't even really talk about going out and crushing it, but um, a lot of them did good just because of the consistency. And so I think it can be good for your motivation too, is just, just doing them kind of sporadically. Um, usually once a month, I'd say. Yeah. I think once a month is kind of the maximum we'd like to see for sure, but it's definitely nice to have, um, races on the calendar. I think some people like to race more than others. I think it's always good to have at least, you know, one or two races on the calendar, um, your whole summer leading up to your fall marathon. Cause you don't want like that to be the only time you get in a race environment just to kind of practice things, especially, you know, race day fueling. Um, even if you don't choose to race your half marathon as an all out race during your, marathon training cycle there can still be a good opportunity to do some marathon pace work with some fueling um, practice during your marathon training cycle so getting in that race environment and I know one um, coach gosh I can't even remember who it was but famous quote basically saying that doing a half marathon at marathon pace in an actual race is the closest specific thing you can do to prep for your marathon. And the reason being is you're running at race pace, you're doing it in a race environment, you're practicing with fuel. And those three things all combined are the biggest thing that's going to help you um, with a lot of the mental um, and fueling aspects of the marathon race and getting your body in tune to what that marathon pace feels like. Because the first 13 miles of a marathon feels pretty easy. And so if you go out there and you do a, mar- a half marathon at, you know, marathon pace, it's going to also feel easy. So it gives you a chance to practice holding back in that environment and saving your legs a little bit for the grand finale, the last half. So I think it's just really important to understand, you know, all the stress variables that are at play and picking a plan that's appropriate for you and that's going to stress you at the level that you're at, doing a time trial before, um, finding a plan that's starting where you're at um, and not falling um, victim to the whole peaking too soon mentality and thinking you have to wait until, you know, two months before your race to actually start training. Um, Just trying to train smart and build gradually will definitely help um, to ease that whole overtraining aspect um, as well. So if you have any questions or you want to chat about your training plan specifically, you can visit our website at www.runforprs.co and we can chat and get you started with training right away. Thanks for tuning in.